On this edition of the Scott Radley Show podcast, we asked the question, should the NBA logo be changed to be the silhouette of Kobe Bryant? That is a move that is underfoot from some players and other people who want that to be done. Really? Do we really want to go down that path? And in our ever-expanding move to make you money, to help you get ahead, we are going to tell you about some VHS tapes. Yes, VHS tapes. You may not have any anymore, but if you do, some VHS tapes that could make you some serious coin if you've got them hanging around in your house. You want to stick around and find out. Today on the Scott Radley Show on 900 CHML. I want to bring in our good friend, sports commentator, sports official, NFL sideline official, Steve Foxcroft. Sir, how are you today? I'm good, Mr. Scott Radley. How are you doing? I'm doing just fine. You know, I've said before, today is the same as yesterday, is the same as the day before, is the same as the day before that. But you know what? You get used to this. It's a new reality for everyone. We're almost coming up to a year of doing this now. So if we're not good at it by now, when are we ever going to be good at it? That's right. We've all had to adjust, and I think we are adjusting and, and living with it, as you say. Living with it. I have never worn, I've worn my pajamas during work more often than Hugh Hefner for the past year. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's something new. Cause that was, I never even wore pajamas before this. I there didn't, but now it's like, the, sorry, go ahead. There's, there's, there is parts of the closet though that we don't even use anymore, right? No kidding. I got stuff. <laughs> I, this is not a joke. I went in there to grab a sweatshirt the other day and had to dust the, the, the like just wipe a little thin film of dust off the shoulder because it had been on the hanger so long. And it's right. like, how does that even happen? Yeah. And you put it on and then the hanger marks are still left well, in the shoulder too. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But no, I, I've between fat pants, like track, you know, sort of sweatpants <laughs> and pajama bottoms that I never used to wear. I just, uh, right. if the house ever burns down and I have to run outside, people are going to think, what a slob. Although, you know, that's, that's the new reality. Those Father's Day and Christmas gifts come in handy, right? The PJs that you get Father's Day and Christmas Day. You're using them now. Yeah. Yeah, it, well, absolutely. Except for the ties, except for the yeah. ties, I haven't put one of those on in a while. Oh, God. there is a um, Steve. There is a story that uh, is bumping around online now, and even more than that, it's been getting some traction within the mainstream media. That Kyle Lowry, the Raptors' star guard, the guy who many many people, I think that's fair, many people think is the best player in franchise history, that he may be on the trade block and may be heading to Philadelphia one of these days soon. Are you okay with that if, if they trade Kyle Lowry, or is this one of those guys that you say, you know what, you just got to ride it out and play here till the end of your time? I think I think there's a lot of things in play here, a lot of wheels in motion, and I think the Raptors, the first one is it's in season. So I think they're not going to make the same, in quotation marks, mistake that they made when they got rid of DeMar DeRozan. And that happened in the offseason, and Masai was over in Africa, and it went down. Kyle wasn't happy. DeMar wasn't happy. Uh, fast forward later, they win a championship out of it. But uh, I don't think they're going to make that mistake again. I think they've already sat down, and I think they're approaching it like, Kyle, this is, this is our decision together, and we're going to reward you. Meaning, if you want to go somewhere, if, if you're Kyle Lowry, you have to be thinking like you're a fringe hall of famer right now. And wouldn't you like to go somewhere and win a second championship and maybe up your status as a hall of famer? Like he's got a couple, three years left on his, on his uh, career, probably at 30 million a year. And he's got to be looking at it from that angle. So I think they've sat down 
You mentioned the Sixers. I think there's two other teams. Which is his play. hometown, by the way, which is his yeah. hometown. That's why it's, he's been so linked to them. Yeah, grew up there, went to Villanova, uh, like Sixer, Philadelphia guy through and through, right? So, and you know what? I think they could use them. Like, they need that floor general. Embiid and Simmons have been kind of wishy-washy at times. And I think they could use a guy like a Kyle Lowry. He would reunite, incidentally, with Danny Green, too, who he won a championship with, who... It it surprised me. I forgot Danny Green's journey. I thought he was well, he's still been out everywhere. in L.A. And then yeah, he's been everywhere. shows up with the Sixers. Here's the yeah. thing about Kyle Lowry, and, and this is the reality is, and, and we're talking about a specific player, but the reality is professional sports is a cutthroat business, and there aren't a lot of loyalties, and there aren't a lot of friends. And I can't remember the exact number, but I believe the Raptors are something like what is it, 18 and 0 since in, in the last number of games that Kyle, the last 18 games Kyle Lowry has been out for, they've won something like that. It's some yeah. ridiculous number now. And he was playing last night and they lost. I'm not saying Kyle Lowry is the cause of that. What I'm saying is, I think that now they can get along just fine without that 30 million on their books. They could get something for the future. You take him out of the lineup, this is not a roster that falls apart completely. If I'm Masai Ujiri and I know he wants to try and be loyal and he feels uh, probably feels a responsibility to that, I move him in a second. If you can get mm-hmm. some good pieces and shave that contract, I move him in a second. And enter Fred Van Fleet, right? Like that's the reason why you can do that now. Freddie has taken over that role. The team's winning without him. So you have that position covered with Fred. And I think that's what frees this up. So it makes it, it makes it a thing. And can with the Sixers, can they put together something? So the Sixers have been very active too, right? They just missed out in the James Harden deal from what we hear. They were active and they're not afraid to pull a trigger and make deals. Now, do they have expiring contracts? Do they have a young player they can give up? Do they have picks to, to give up too? To, that makes Masai and Bobby Webster pull the trigger on this deal and with Lowry's blessing, right? So I think they're the front runners for it. I think the Miami Heat are also in on the mix. And I think where everyone uh, wants to see them go to is almost reunite with Kawhi and, and go out to the Clippers. But the Clippers gave up everything to get Paul George there. They don't have picks. I don't think they have anything to come to the table to make a, a trade work. So the Sixers is like, they got, you know, they talk about hometown discounts, right? I think the Sixers are somewhere where Lowry would say to Masai and Bobby Webster, yeah, get me there. And I'd, I'd be good with it. I, I, as I say, I just, I look at this thing and, and, you know, I know that we like loyalty and I, I believe in loyalty and all that stuff, but in sports, like, you know, Kyle Lowry's contract is up at the end of this year. Um, do, do we believe that Kyle Lowry is going to say to the Raptors, I'm so loyal to you that I will come back no matter what kind of contract you offer me because you gave me the opportunity? No, Kyle Lowry is going to expect a really nice contract or he will sign and he may go anyway to Philadelphia. I don't believe that if you're the one who's caught holding the loyalty card in this thing, you're the one who's going to be caught behind. Kyle Lowry could leave and then everyone will say, oh, that was his choice. Well, where was that loyalty? So as far as I'm concerned, if you can get something for him, trade him now. You have to get something for him now because definitely he's not back. I think both ways, both sides would end it at that point. So if you can make him happy, reward him with 
sending him to a preferred destination. I think that's what they'll try and do first. I, I, I see them riding out loyalty, though, if they can't get it to one of these preferred. I don't see them trading him you know, to Sacramento, Minnesota. I don't say no, no, I, for outpost. sure. That's not going to sure. happen. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Steve, I want to switch tack. Stay with basketball for a minute here because there's a really interesting story. You probably saw this, that Kyrie Irving, the Brooklyn Nets point guard, is uh, saying very loudly that the NBA logo, which people who can visualize the NBA logo, it is a red, white, and blue logo, and there's a white silhouette in the middle of it, which is the silhouette of Jerry West from the 60s, 70s mm-hmm. NBA legend. Kyrie Irving says, you know what? Um, black players built this league. We need to change the logo, and we should be having Kobe Bryant's silhouette as the silhouette representing the league. What do you think about that idea? You know, I'm not, I'm not objecting to it. I'm not objecting to it. I think that's, it's good. Uh, it could be, you know, to every, everyone tries to revamp uh, things and make it more relevant to the times. And I think it would be a good move by the commissioner and the league to kind of jump on the social uh, movement and, and kind of go with them with it. So I'm okay with that. And And what a salute to Kobe, right? Like, that would be pretty cool. And it, it's also recognizable. Um, curious to think, what about a Michael Jordan? Something like that. Like, well, is that someone and that y- also should be. Considered? Okay. So th- this, this, this to me, th- I don't have an objection. If you wanted to change the logo, I'm with you. If, if, if to freshen it up or to make it more updated or more recognizable, although, you know, unless people are told that silhouette is Jerry West, I don't think anyone is saying, oh, that's Jerry West. Um, You know, it's just, but it is. That's who it was based on. Here's my problem with it. I I will stand by this. Kobe Bryant, to me, is the most overrated player in the history of basketball the most overrated bar none. And I would find five or six. I would have Bill Russell in there as the logo. I would have Michael Jordan as the logo. I would have Magic Johnson. I would have Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I would have Wilt Chamberlain. You pick your person. But any of the, you know, Kobe Bryant is just the flavor of the day because of the tragedy that he died in. And and no one's making, no one's mocking that. It's a horrible thing that a a father and and a human being died in a helicopter crash. It's just... Why Kobe? Like this, it just seems to me so lazy. It is. It's kind of picking up with what you said of of the tragedy and and going on with the Kobe story. And Kobe did a lot to freshen up his image as well later in his career too. So there wasn't all the time when everyone it wasn't always a Kobe love fest, right? But now with the tragedy, it makes it it just makes it a good story from that angle. But I think. You know, the other thing, too, is it's not like Kyrie is the most likable figure. You know, you don't want to walk up to him and give him a hug or anything. So it's kind of like the thing that I didn't like is is it's coming from Kyrie. It's almost like, boy, could we have someone else, you know, like like a Doc Rivers come out and say it. Like, you know, someone that's so well-respected and a father figure to so many. Like, just let's touch on that for one second, going back to Kyle Lowry. Doc Rivers being in Philadelphia too is a huge thing that that could attract him there too. But anyway, getting back to this is, it's like it just because it came from Kyrie, I didn't like it from that angle as well. 
Well, and let's not forget, I mean, we've just, we were talking before you came on about whether or not we should honor local people and have a statue of Lincoln Alexander and about statues being torn down these days because people have done things in their past. Let's not forget that, you know, while it sort of has been put aside and we've almost kind of forgiven it, Kobe Bryant had some stuff in his past that is a little problematic and you know, there are other people, again, I'll go back to Bill Russell or Kareem or someone you go, is that not a better choice that you just, you know, you're going to be able to put this logo there and stick with it? That, that to and me, I mean, let, go ahead. That's what I mean is, is Kobe freshened his image and got past those transgressions in a way and, and did that almost through longevity, right? Like it's because he was around for so long and a good player and then freshened his image and, and was good with other young players. But remember what he was like, you know, early on too. And that's what you're getting at is we can't forget. It's, it's the whole picture. And it's like when someone decides to go into politics, all of a sudden we found out, we find out what they did in high school and college and all these things get drudged up. And that could happen too if they do this with a guy like Kobe. Yeah. And look, I, I get it. I get the tragedy part. I understand the tragedy part and the tragedy. Anytime there's a tragedy, I mean, we were just, we thought maybe that was when we first heard the reports this week of Tiger Woods, you're like, oh no, well, it's not that. But we, it immediately makes us very sympathetic. We're humans. That's understandable. But I don't know that that means we should be using this person in ways like the logo for a league, I, I don't know that it means we have to go to those kind of lengths. I think we can, fans of Kobe Bryant or people who are feeling, you know, sympathy for his family, you can honor him in other ways. This to me just seems like you're you're giving something to someone, leaving all the other stuff aside as a basketball player who is maybe in the top 10, maybe, but mm. the way he is described by some players as the greatest or almost the greatest player ever no, he's not remotely that. He's not remotely that. I would there, there he's just not. And to and to be picking this for the to, to say that's why this guy should be on the logo. No, wrong. My exactly. Opinion. I agree. And and like I right away we throw Michael Jordan, Kareem, sure. Bill Russell. There's and there's probably a couple more we could put right in the mix that you'd have to consider. Like to me, it would be a slap in the face to a guy like Michael Jordan who is always you know, when the series came out and that, it's all like it rejuvenated oh, that my, he was it, the best. We got to run, but if you saw that, if anyone watched that 10-part documentary on Michael Jordan, if the league were to make the logo Kobe Bryant, Jordan would probably go and burn down the NBA headquarters. <laughs> you <laughs> he would, that's what he he would not like take too, kindly right? to it. That exactly. would not go well. Uh, listen, yeah, if you really want to drive nuts, make it the logo of Isaiah Thomas and Michael Jordan's head might just burst into flame. But anyway, uh, Steve Foxcroft, always appreciate the time. Thanks for doing this today. No problem. Talk soon. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Do you have a VCR in your house still? A working VCR? I do. Uh, it's unplugged. It's in a cabinet somewhere. I haven't plugged it in and used it in years, but why throw it out? I mean, who knows when I may want to throw in a video and I can't anticipate that day coming anytime soon, but you never know. Uh, many of you wouldn't though. Many of you would have had no VCR left. And as a result, you would have had no need for all the VHS tapes you once owned. And so you've either thrown them out or given them away or whatever. That may have been a bad, bad, bad mistake. 
Because if you go on eBay these days, it is abundantly clear that there is a market for retro VHS tapes, especially classic Disney movies. Give me an example. The Fantasia, the tape of Fantasia, the black edition, $820 they're asking for those right now. Dumbo, $629. Beauty and the Beast, Black Diamond Edition, $630. The Rescuers, Black Diamond Edition, $1,198 for a VCR VHS tape. The Rare Edition of Cinderella, $4,999. Little Mermaid, Black Diamond Edition, $18,293. And there is one on there, and I can't remember because I just saw it before we came on. But one of the Disney movies, $45,000 it's going for online. Let me bring in Scott Henderson. He is the Dean of Trent University, formerly the head of Brock University's Department of Communication, Popular Culture, and Film. Scott, how are you today? Thanks for doing this. I'm doing good. How are you doing, Scott? Well, I'm doing great, but I'm way confused on this. This is an obsolete technology, and I am, for the life of me, having a hard time figuring out why all of a sudden people want this stuff. I'm after you read that list, I'm kind of going back to look in the closet and see what I can find. You're not alone. <laughs> you know, but I, I mean, part of it is simply, you know, it has value because so many of us threw these things out, right? So now, now it's become a bit rarer. I mean, that's, yeah. that's, there's that aspect of it. I think you're right. Although, I mean, honestly, how many of these VHS tapes did Disney sell? They must have pumped out hundreds of thousands of these. They can't be that rare, can they? Well, if you recall, I mean, they used to call it the Disney Vault. They'd warn us, right? They'd say, you know, available for the next two months. Then they'd run a series of commercials telling us, you know, that that's it. We wouldn't see it again for a generation. So, I mean, one, they did sell a lot that way, but they always kind of peddled it as a rarity, that you're going to get it now and not see it again. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, look, when I think of things like hockey cards or baseball cards, and part of the confusion for me, like some people have a Wayne Gretzky rookie card, but not every pack automatically had one. Whereas you could have gone out and bought any of these things. In hockey, it was the luck of the draw that you would get a card. And so now to your point, by the way, I think an awful lot of people are making notes saying as soon as he's done talking, I'm racing down to the cupboard <laughs> to see what VHS tapes we might have. Um, but this, this is, we're going to get back to this, but this is not all that unusual in a sense, because all kinds of old technologies have been seeing a resurgence. Vinyl is huge again. Cassette tapes are now coming back in some ways. DVDs, I mean, they're not that old yet, but it, it seems as though if it's old technology and it maybe reminds us of a past time, we're suddenly very interested in these things. Yeah, I think that's a big part of it. I mean, you know, sticking that VCR tape in for, a generation, and I think particularly now, a generation that's become parents, right? So they remember watching some of these Disney films on VHS. That's how they did it. It was a big deal. And, you know, we kind of like to go back. We like to kind of step away from our everyday demands, you know, and the stresses of life and say, I remember when it was simpler. I could just pop in The Little Mermaid and enjoy two hours and, and watch it over and over again. And I think there's something comforting in that. And there's there's a long history of us using, I think, you know, media and culture in this nostalgic way. As a touchstone, kind of, not just the, what you're seeing, but the way you saw it, or not just what you're hearing, but the way you heard it? Yeah, and I think that's something that's changed. Because, you know, if we went back, you know, there was a 50s nostalgia. If we went back to things like Happy Days and American Graffiti. I mean, yep. 
there was nostalgia for the 60s, 70s, 80s. And, you know, we think of those decades and, and we can immediately think of what fashions we put on if we were going to a costume party, what music we put down at the time. You know, something started to shift by the late 90s. And I think early 2000s is, you know, the ubiquity, the, the ability to access all of this culture meant there was, I don't think, any defining style. It was more about how we consumed. And I think that's maybe what's changing is, so now we're remembering how we use these things. So it was watching the Disney stuff on VHS. And I thought there are loads of YouTube channels just dedicated to unboxing, remembering these items, watching old commercials, right? Just getting back in touch with that kind of era. It, it just seems weird to me. And I, your point is well taken. I mean, I think you're onto something for sure, but it seems weird to me that we would be longing to watch or enjoy something that's not nearly as good quality as what's available now. I mean, we have the Disney channel now. You can you the Disney app, the uh, Disney Plus, that you can go on and watch all these movies in pristine digital with perfect sound. And so why would you want to go and watch a crackly, warbly VHS tape of Little Mermaid? I, I, it seems weird. Yeah, I, in that sense, we're on the same page. I mean, I, I still love my vinyl. I've got it cassettes are making a comeback I, and you know back when i was young 70s 80s i still then didn't see the point of cassettes because you couldn't just pick a track you had to rewind and then the thing got stuck in the machine and then you were getting a pencil <laughs> out to try to wind it back up yes it, i mean it wasn't technology that's as good but we know how to use it and i think maybe that's part of it you know streaming is almost overwhelming i mean you know you want to watch something, you think, hey, it's out there. I can get it, no problem, because it's streaming. And then you find out, you know, if you're a Britney Spears fan, that Britney Spears documentary that is out, not yet available in Canada, right? And only on Hulu. So you can only, you know, be in the U.S. or other jurisdictions and get to watch it. So you think it's available, but it's not available. If I don't subscribe to Disney+, Plus, I don't have access to this stuff. Even if I do, I've got this overwhelming menu of things to start digging for. So I, I think there's something comfortable about owning these items, right? Not looking for it in streaming, not starting to get that kind of paralysis. You just start scrolling through Netflix thinking, well, I could watch that one, but oh, hang on, there's another one in my recommended list and keep going. That I can pull Beauty and the Beast off the shelf and say, I own this one. Let's watch that tonight. Is it unique to to entertainment though and to media things? Because like when I think back about now, it was way before yours or my time, but I'm sure the first people who were able to afford a car never thought, you know, I just, I, I really long for the days of going back to the horse-drawn carriage. They, they always move forward. There was always, in a lot of other technology, we're always eager to push forward. This is the one thing that seems to be wanting to go backwards. Yeah, I think, you know, media, certainly throughout the 20th century, I think, connected us to, you know, our childhood to our imaginations. It became the way we told and consumed stories, the way we were entertained. You know, it's tied to things like romance, if it's music and dancing. And so there's so many powerful connections through media and through popular culture that people have that I think it really has this added meaning that other consumable products maybe don't have. And and that's maybe at the, the heart of this whole VHS thing, right? We, you, we don't have memories of that era that might be about some big events or certain clothing styles or certain music, but we remember putting those tapes in. We remember watching that stuff and the way we watched it. 
And, you know, it meant a lot to us at the time. And one other thing that just dawned on me is that we are probably, I would guess, right in the sweet spot right now where the people who grew up with the VHS, you mentioned about how we were kids then, the people who are now the ones with the most disposable income because they're either just at the end of their career or they're still working in it, that's their age group. So maybe this sudden interest again in VHS tapes, it's in another 10 years, it'll be gone again. We don't know because it'll be a new generation, but it's just that sweet spot we're in this minute. Yeah, I think it's, it's a big part of that. You kind of hit the the right group who's able to kind of go back there and, you know, maybe doesn't feel as connected to streaming. Maybe Maybe they don't have an Apple TV or, you know, a Fire Stick or something that they can use to stream or they can't be bothered to get to know this, or they just find it overwhelming. Do I need to sign up and remember passwords? And there's a, there's a great term I've seen called withered technology, right? It's, it's, it's not dead. It's stuff that we're really familiar with. We really know how to use it. You know, our memories are there of exactly how the click of that button felt or the drop of that needle felt. And it's just something that, you know, we, we can do again. And without having to think it's, it's not complex. And it's something that, you know, all of us feel we can use. And, you know, the company Nintendo is famous for using this kind of thing, right? By being just a step behind the others, but being more accessible because everybody can pick it up. I love I love that term, withered technology. And, and you know, you just, I was at Costco a number of months ago and there was a, uh, you could purchase, they had a, um, like a stand-up arcade Nintendo or whatever, Sega, I don't even know what it was, but all the old games in one. Now, you know, in the old days, you go to the arcade and each console was its own game. Here, they were all into one, but they were all the old games. And, and when you first look at it and go, look at what we can do on our PS5 now or whatever, you know, Xbox, it, that is so antiquated. And yet, I think they sold them all out because when I went back a couple weeks later, they were all gone. There's still yeah, and- a desire for that stuff. And people remember doing it, love doing it. It's also, it's very tactile, right? I mean, you know, the old pinball machines, but even the hammering the buttons at the old arcades, right? It was very different than just kind of sitting on your couch and just tapping the X button on the controller. You you were hammering away, or you're, you were rolling that ball on Golden Tee or Asteroids and kind of moving around or <laughs> yanking the yep. joystick. I, you know, there was something really physical I, I that evokes memory too right when we kind of engage in that manner and in some unique kind of things that i know i could go back to some of those games now and there's some sort of muscle memory that i'll know which way to start moving the joystick and you know evade the ghost and pac-man or whatever i'm doing there's there's a memory to it somewhere it does make me wonder if some of the people who shut down their their video stores in the last few years should have held on for another little while if they could have had a little resurgence before they finally had to go for good. Yeah. got that retro market. <laughs> yep. And it also makes me wonder if somewhere down the road, we're going to have a whole generation of people who are longing for the days of Netflix because that will have moved on to something else. And we'll be hearing, you know, when we're old and that, that a younger generation is saying, Oh, you know, remember those days? I wish we could go back and have Netflix again. Yeah, Cause it'll well, be gone. I'm- I mean, it's inevitable. Yeah, something, something will come along to replace it. And that's, I mean, maybe that's part of the VCR thing, right? We, we don't own our music anymore. We sign up for Spotify or Apple Music or something, and we can listen to it, but it's not ours. And when, as you say, once those things move on, you know, whatever playlists we created, whatever streams we love, they're just gone. They're, 
you know, whereas, you know, the vinyl records we own, the VHS tapes we owned, they're still sitting on our shelves. Uh, let me switch, to, uh, stay with the same idea, but switch just slightly on this one, because uh, speaking of throwbacks, I heard today, and it may be old news, I don't know, I don't think it is, I think it was just out today, that a new version of Frasier has been ordered now by Paramount, I think, and I don't know how many of the old cast are going to be back. I know that Kelsey Grammer, apparently, according to the story, has signed on. But it kind of is the same thing that we are clinging. We want that familiar thing, whether it's VHS tapes or old sitcoms now. We want those things from our past. I don't know if this could possibly work, though, can it? Can you go back like this? I don't know. I mean, you know, there's maybe, as you say, there's a, the right audience is there. I, it surprised me. I saw that. I think it's been off the air 17 years. That's a, a big gap. And it's not had that kind of streaming success that some other shows have had. Right, where a new generation has got into Friends or watched The Office or Parks and Rec and shows like this. I, I haven't seen the same kind of adulation for Frasier. So for it to come back is, you know, maybe someone's done some market research and there's an audience that loved it that has got some money, will sign up for whatever service it's on or, you know, the advertisers know they're going to reach the right audience. But it, it's a surprising one to me. Uh, yeah, because I mean Murphy Brown, they tried at they tried that one. Uh, Murphy Brown, I don't think it did very well. Roseanne is still on the air, but not really. It's now the Connors, and I don't even know how it does in the ratings. I I saw an ad yesterday on TV for a remake of Punky Brewster that's coming back, and it's like okay, now we're really now we're really scrambling into the bottom of the barnacles here to try and catch the good old days. But uh, you know, I, I don't know. It may, maybe Scott, maybe it's just that right now 2020 and 2021 have been so miserable and the world seems so angry and everything that that is just a familiar touchstone moment 20 years ago 25 years ago that we all feel like was way more comfortable and way less horrible oh i think for sure the pandemic is really kind of ramping up the nostalgia because you know it, it's always one been but remembering the good old days but when we're in the kind of stress we're in right now i mean those days seem even better, right? And so kind of going back to what was it like as a family when that, without the internet, without the anger on social media, without a pandemic, and just grabbing that VHS tape and popping it in and just enjoying two hours, putting a, a bag of Jiffy Pop in the microwave and watch it, watch it catch fire. Because if you were me, that's what it was doing. But you know. <laughs> Nobody understood a microwave back then. We were all new with them. Yeah, it's, you know, we were all it was new magic. With them. And I, I hope that all this, I mean, with you and I talking about this, I like, I like to believe that that's what it is, that it's just looking back as opposed to the, I suppose, the cynical or skeptical thing, which is just that Hollywood has run out of ideas and hasn't been able to come up with anything clever. And so they're just going to keep throwing remakes at us. I like to believe they're smarter than that, but uh, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, there, there is a long history of remakes. So, I mean, even, even the earliest days of film, they kept remaking lots of similar things. I mean, you know, how many Star is Born have we had? right over the years like it seems every generation you've got a new a star is born with at least one yep stuff. at yep. least one uh scott henderson always appreciate having you on here thanks for doing this dean of trent university former head of brock's department of communication popular culture and phil thanks for the time thanks very much scott always great to talk uh now for those of you who are listening and going okay i got to go to my closet here and i got to figure this out um 
So let me just give you a few of these that I'm finding online on eBay right now. Just, you know, for those of you who decide, I think I have some VHS tapes around. I got to look. First of all, the ones that are black diamond are the big ones. So if you've got any Disney black diamond, if and, and you'll see it marked on the box, it's black diamond. They are the really valuable ones. But um, uh, Walt Disney Dumbo, 629 Beauty and the Beast, $630. A Lion King, just a regular old Lion King one, $95, Keep going on here for a few more. A new Walt Disney's Fantasia, not even a Black Diamond, just the VHS, $500. They're looking for that one. It's crazy. Little Mermaid, Black Diamond, $1,500. Pocahontas, 1996 not just a normal one, $441. Another little mermaid. If you've got these things sitting around and they're in any kind of decent shape, they may be worth something. And if they are the black diamond one, oh boy, you may, you may strike gold here because it looks like there is a real unbelievable market right now for this. And who knows how long it'll last for because as we were just discussing, this is clearly or would seem to be clearly very much directed at a particular age group that grew up with this and that sees this as a touchstone of the past and very familiar and very comforting. You know, who knows? Who knows how long? Although maybe it could go on for a long time. Maybe they'll all want to buy them for their grandchildren someday, thinking their grandkids are going to want to watch VHS movies. Hint, they won't. The Scott Radley Show. Weekday evenings from 6 to 8 on 900 CHML. The Scott Radley Show podcast is available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Radley. Thanks again for listening, and do not forget to subscribe to this podcast. It is free. You will never miss an episode. And also, be sure you rate us and review us. Whatever you think of us, we'll take it. Thanks for listening. For most of us, crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us until it does. Loved ones are gone, and for the survivors, the scars will never heal. I'm Nancy Hickst, a senior crime reporter for Global News. And on this season of Crime Beat, I'll take you inside some of the most serious crime stories I've covered. Season six of Crime Beat is available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and all podcast platforms.